Welcome to the Rock of Grace Warren podcast. I want to thank you for joining us. I hope this message inspires you. I hope it builds your faith and helps you to see that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. Amen. So we are in week three. Uh, don't mind me. This is, this is ADD taking over, so... Um, we are in week three of our series called Together, and we kicked it off a few uh, weeks ago talking about uh, how vital it is that we create meaningful relationships in our life, and how those relationships, uh, when they're done right, become a source of encouragement in life to us. Then last week, we kind of looked at what kind of church do we want to be. If we're going to be a church of people who are together, then we have to begin to communicate that out on our Sunday mornings, and we talked about learning how to make room for people, and we talked about making meaningful relationships that go beyond the surface. We talked about reaching the lost and being intentional to go out and, and, and grab people and bring them in. And so this morning, we're going to continue in our Together series, but we're going to take a little bit of a different approach. These next two weeks are going to focus on uh, some vital relationships that you may have, maybe wanting to have uh, in your life, as well as next week, we're going to be talking about the most important relationship in your life. So uh, make sure you are here for part four of our series as we close it out. But this morning, uh, I thought it'd be fun. Uh, my wife is going to be joining me up here. We're going to tag team preach this thing uh, to you this morning. And listen, I don't want to over sell it, but she's way better at this than I am, all right? And so when she comes here in a moment, um, uh, she's, she's going to just, you're going to be like, who's that guy that usually talks? Can we have more of her? Right? And so it's cool. I get it, right? She's the face, and, you know, and never mind. Nonetheless, we are going to talk about uh, the Ten Commandments, if you will, of a together marriage. And this does also apply to relationships and even to some extent friendships. You'll notice the parts that don't apply to friendships. You just disregard those, okay? Um, But I want to share with you out of Colossians chapter 3, verse 14 for a moment. It says, Above all all these, put on love, which binds everything together, in uh, in perfect harmony. And Paul is writing to the church in Colossae, and he's indicating that, listen, everything that we do has to have a measure of love associated with it, right? You can't be a Christian, you can't follow Jesus and not have love in your heart for other people, especially the people that you are in a relationship with or in a marriage to. And so over the course of our conversation here for the next little while, we're going to dive in to uh, uh, kind of talking about what does a together marriage look like um, and, and how we can live that out, not just spiritually, but also practically, right? And so I want you, and this is not a show of hands, this is more of a rhetorical think process question, uh, because uh, if you're sitting next to your spouse and you answer this wrong, uh, there's likely that they'll hit you, Okay. Just, I'm just helping you uh, out this morning. If you were to rate your home experience, right, and in that, it's everything from your, your house to your car to, your, to your, your, your yard to your kids to the dog that, for whatever reason, has to go out at 3.30 in the morning um, and just annoys you until it does. Welcome to my life, right? And so if you had to rate your marriage, your kids, all of those things from a scale of 1 to 10 right now as it sits, I want you to put a number in your mind, okay? Uh, and I want you just to kind of hold that there. 
And, uh, you know, are, are the questions that I would be asking is, am I excited when I'm heading home or I'm more excited when I'm backing out of the driveway in the morning to leave, right? <laughs> like when mom leaves, does the stress level leave with it? Do the kids hide in the closet when you get home? Like, do your kids like to have friends over? Like, is it, dra- is it drama? Like, hey, bring the popcorn when you come over. Like, what is it like? Because if we're not careful, right, our homes can become a battlefield, right, when it should be a place of rest and peace, right? If we're not careful, our homes will become a battlefield when God intended them to be a place of rest and peace. And that has everything to do with us, right? Something I learned in my 12 years here of marriage, almost 13, is that marriage is not all kittens, puppies, and rainbows. How many of you would agree with me this morning that it's a work in progress? Why? Because we are a work in progress. Are we perfect? Anybody perfect? Raise your hand. (laughs) Somebody back. I know. I saw that. Because we're a work in progress, that means our marriage is a work in progress or any relationship that we're a part of. I know this is a little bit on a, is, is mainly on a marriage conversation, but I want you to be able to extend this into your relationships um, and into your significant others and all of those things that are kind of encompassing your life. We're a work in progress, so the things that we participate in by default have to be a work in progress because none of us have arrived yet, Right? If we're not careful, our homes will become a battlefield when it should be a safe place. Can I just tell you this morning that not everything is worth going to war over, right? Not everything is worth going to war over. In fact, few things are worth going to war over. I won't tell you that there's not anything that's worth going to war over, but there are few things that are worth going to war over. And if we're not careful, what we will become in our homes are warriors who don't know when to put the sword away, right, and rest and enjoy the people that God has brought into our life. That makes sense? Let me ask you a question this morning. What sword are you tempted to rely upon rather than relying upon the Lord? What are you doing in your life that would be different if you trusted the Lord more fully? These are questions that I ask myself sometimes, like, okay, what am I doing that I could lay down and in doing that indicate I trust God with whatever problem I'm doing, dealing with? And there are some things in this world where I feel like if I let go, it's all going to fall apart. Anybody ever been there where you feel like if you, if you took your hands off of it, it would just disintegrate, right? Like it wouldn't survive. Like anybody ever been there? And, and what we have to come to the understanding of is the only thing that we can control is us. We can't control everybody else. We can't control everything else that goes on. But we so desperately want to, and we think that if we keep our hands on the problem and on the situation, what we end up doing is we end up pushing the hand of God out of the picture where God is much more qualified to do that than we are. I find it interesting that in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 28, Paul spends a, a gosh of time talking about marriage, and he doesn't necessarily affirm it in the way that you would think he would. There are parts of scripture where Paul comes across like a grumpy old man. 
Um, and this, in my estimation, is one of them. Now, he's, he's teaching and he's trying to help, but this is what he says, and I think it's affirmed in the idea that, listen, marriage is work in progress, and it's not all rainbows and, and kittens and puppies. But this is what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 28. He says, but if you do marry, he, he writes in this way that he says, listen, I would rather you not marry, okay? But then he says, if you burn with temptation... Go ahead and get married because it would be better that you, you know, do that in the marriage than uh, outside of the marriage. But he says, if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a betrothed woman marries, she has not sinned. Then he finishes it with this interesting sentence. Yet those who marry will have worldly troubles, and I would spare you that. Right? I was like, well, I know what it's like. You can take the garbage out. You left the socks where the socks are not supposed to be. Anybody have that? Pro- I have that problem where I leave socks everywhere and not where they're supposed to go. There's like a hamper in our bedroom where clothes are supposed to go. But I don't know what happens at night. Like sometimes I'll fall asleep on the couch and I'll wake up with no socks on. I don't know if I'm like sock fighting in my sleep, but they're stuffed in the couch. They're, and, and my wife is like, I pick up your socks all the time. I'm surprised I have any. It's not always easy, but it's worth it. Can I just tell you that this morning? It's worth it. Let me give you a couple misconceptions before Monica comes this morning of the fairy tale aspects of marriage. Perhaps, gentlemen, maybe we thought this way. When I get married, maybe you've had this thought, she is going to clean my underwear, cook my dinner, give me a massage every night, meet me at the door and fall to her knees saying, my master has arrived. It does not happen for me. Oh, I get. We were so close, right? And we go into it thinking, "You're here to wait on me because I'm the man, and that's your job, right?" And then we quickly find out that that's not her job. Or, ladies, don't think I left you out this morning. Perhaps, ladies, you may have thought, "When I get married, Amen." He is going to make a million dollars. I'm still waiting on it, right? Bring me flowers and chocolates every day. Write me poetry. Add a new room on the house every weekend. Thank you, Pinterest, for making Christian men cuss. Mm-hmm. Some of you know what I'm talking about. The final product, and then at the bottom, they're like, it took four hours. It took four weeks. Perhaps you thought, they'll go shopping with me always, right? (laughs) And they'll lovingly look into my eyes every night, right? And then we quickly find out that uh, not only did not those things not happen near as consistently, but there are parts about one another that we discovered that we're like, oh my gosh, if I'd have known this before, I'd have rethought some things, right? Right? It's okay. We've all been there this morning. Here's the point. 
My heart for you, my heart for our church, is that not only do we advocate for marriage because it's an institution that we discover in Scripture that God ordains, but also it becomes a picture to the world of how Jesus loves his church. Amen? And so the basis of our conversation this morning is to help us, to help you frame your relationships in the right light. And so this will give us a place to start. So I'm going to invite uh, my better half up here to join me. So give it up for Monica this morning. And she is going to take care of our first five commandments. Amen. All right. Okay. Sorry. Do you need your notes? Yes. <laughs> All right. So how many of you guys have seen uh, like a romantic comedy? Like one of the, like, yes. And there's always like that end scene, right? Where like, he she's like driving away and it's like pouring rain and like he's like chasing after her in the car like you guys know you've seen those movies and like they get out and like she kisses him and he kisses her and then it's like we're gonna live happily ever after and it's beautiful and like for some reason like the girl's makeup is not smudged she doesn't look like a drowned rat like like any of you seen me if I help outside in the rain my hair does like this like it does that, but she doesn't look like that. Like she's just, it's just beautiful. And so lots of times like movies and TVs have kind of shaped our view of what we think marriage should be like. And so it's important that we rethink the fairy tale concept of the perfect marriage that we have. And Pastor Andrew touched on this just a little bit earlier, but marriage really and any relationship is going to be difficult um, it's complex. There's so many layers. I, when we take two people, two individuals, and put them together, all your life experience, everything that you've learned, all the things you've thought, everything you've been through, all the, the, your past, we bring them together and we're like, and they will live happily ever after. Um, yeah. So, but that's not always the case. So I want us to be really realistic because I think if we can go in with eyes wide open and say, you know what, I'm not perfect. He's close to perfect, but I'm not perfect. <laughs> and so as we get closer to each other, we realize more and more about each other. We say, you know what, we are two absolutely imperfect people, and yet the Lord can work through us and do some incredible things. That line in your marriage vows, for better or for worse, it exists for a reason. And you might be asking yourself, when does the better start? <laughs> like, here we are. <laughs> when does the better start? Well, ladies, I do have some news for you. You probably realize this already, but your husbands don't come prepackaged. You know, we don't get to put them together and assemble them ourselves in just the right fashion, just the right way to know just what to say or not to say at times. We don't get to do that. <laughs> but, um... We're not prepackaged either, and we're not perfect either. And so, like I said, when two imperfect people come together, we have to rely on the grace of God to carry us through. One of our desires here on earth should be to look just a little bit more like Jesus every day. And can I tell you how incredibly sanctifying it is to live with the same person 24-7? Because they're going to see you on your good days, 
and they get to see you on your bad days, and they get to see you when you're saying, yes, Lord, we are in it, and here we are, and they also get to see you when you're on your knees and you're crying and you're saying, this isn't working and it's not going well, and what's wrong with me? But through that process, if we allow the Lord to work on our hearts and on our minds and in our life, he can make us look a little bit more like Jesus every day. Because marriage magnifies the good, all the good things. And it also has a tendency to magnify all the bad because you're around each other so much. And so we just want to remember um, those things now. It may not always be happily ever after, but it can absolutely be a joy-filled ever after. The joy that is incredibly deep and can bring you peace and can walk with you when your children are experiencing things, when you both are walking together, when one of you is walking through something and the other is just there to support, it can be a joy-filled ever after. Philippians 4.13 says this. It says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, including having a healthy, joy-filled, and strong marriage. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, point number two. As women, we have a tendency, we like to make improvements. Anybody? Yes. So I have this thing. I, and my husband even knows because he'll bring me things now. And like, yes. So if we're driving on the side of the road and there's a furniture, piece of furniture on the side of the road, guess who's stopping? I'm stopping. I'm stopping. I'm pulling in and we're probably going to load it in the back of my car. That's just how it is. I've passed, actually, this weekend, I've seen this piece twice. And if it's there when we go back, I really want to get it. Because it's so pretty. But what happens is I bring these things home and I make them look gorgeous. And I'm like, I'm going to go ahead and sell these. And Andrew's like, okay. So I get them all done. And I'm like, you know, I just really like it, actually. I think I'm going to keep it. So then I just end up keeping them. So our house is now full of these furniture pieces that I thought that would be really good to sell. And now I keep them because I like them. But as women, we have a tendency to do that, right? We see a bare wall and we're like, ooh some floral wallpaper is going to like, like, yes. Or like the geometric shapes, like, yes, let's do that. Or maybe uh, there's a spot in the yard and you're like, wow, that's kind of plain there. We need like some, and as soon as your husband sees you looking, he's like, oh no, let's go out to lunch. You know, like, <laughs> let's, let's, you know, but we like to make improvements on things. Yes. Um, or paint. I love paint. Like, oh, let's paint this. Let's, let's not. I'm not a good painter. I paint myself more than I paint. Now, your husband is not your project. All the husbands said amen. They're like, yes, I am not. Listen, you married him for a reason ladies. Whatever it was, you saw something in him and you were like, this man is absolutely incredible and I don't think he'll ever leave his socks where they're supposed to be, but that's okay because I want to be with him forever. So you chose him for a reason. And so, um, you know, as women, we have a tendency to think, let's, let's just make it better. Like, this is nice, but like, could be better. And so what we like to do is kind of like criticize. Right? Like we say, wow, honey, these flowers are lovely, but like Walmart. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Uh, Or like, oh, these chocolates, beautiful. Um, Did you just pick these up on your way home? There was no pre-thought. 
my grandparents have this have this thing. Um, my grandpa was not allowed to say he grabbed something because we never grab gifts for our wife. We thoughtfully choose gifts for the wife. And so he learned early on that he had to go to the jewelry store was where he went to thoughtfully choose gifts. It was not Walgreens or Walmart. It was Jared's for them. And so he had to thoughtfully choose gifts. So, um, but nobody's motivated by criticism. We're not. We tend to retreat and to kind of fall back. And that's what happens if we continue to criticize our husband. The greatest thing a man wants in a relationship, even more than to be loved, is to be respected. And so remembering, you know what, those things that maybe you would rather not have happen with your husband or in his life, let's pray about them. And if there is really something that you feel like you need to speak up about and you need to say something about, then let's speak the truth in love after we have prayed about it. Proverbs 24, 26 says an honest answer is like a kiss on the lips. It's refreshing. It's refreshing. And it can be the difference between getting the result you want or getting into a full-blown fight that can harm the marriage. How we as women approach things. Listen, we can't change the other person we can't, but the Holy Spirit can, and he will every single time. The continued work of the Holy Spirit is to help us change in a way that better reflects Jesus. So choose to be awed by your spouse instead of thinking of them as a project. Think, you know what? Every time I go out to that car, it's always filled up with gas. You know what? He stopped and he helped that person on the side of the road that needed help. You know what? The way that he plays with our children every night before bed, I love that about him. So instead of thinking of him as, well, this could have been a little better, let's think, you know what? Choose to be awed by him. Now, that being said, I want you guys to just do something um, with me. Think for a second about one to two of like your favorite like sitcoms or shows, things you've seen on TV. Maybe it was a movie or something. And how do they portray the husband in the film? Just think about it kind of in your mind. Usually like the husband or the father or the dad is portrayed as like this bumbling sort of idiot who can like barely make it to the table for dinner. And then once he eats dinner, you know, he sits down and either watches TV show or, you know, sits with his newspaper, depending on when your show or TV was, <laughs> was filmed. But I think that says a lot about what society thinks about men. I don't know about you ladies, but I didn't marry a man like that. I married a man who could preach, he can cook, and he can storm the gates of hell with me when need be. And so that, <laughs> so that being said, point number three, brag on your husband. There are incredible things that your man is absolutely capable of doing, and he needs to be recognized for it. And you get to do that. You get to see those things in him. And listen, some days we're going to pray about it, and you're going to say, Jesus, show me something. Show me something. And other days it'll be natural for you. It'll be like, hey, honey, I appreciate this about you. And it'll just come very naturally. But other days you may have to pray about it, and that's okay. But brag on your husband. Brag about him publicly when he does incredible things for you. Let him know how proud you are of him. Post that on Facebook. Um, something to consider. How your friends and family think about your husband is a direct connection of the picture that you have painted of him. 
how you painted him. 1 Corinthians 13, 7 says, love always protects. That doesn't mean, I just want to clarify, it doesn't mean that it enables, it covers up, or it makes secret those things that could be brought to life. That's not what it does. But it always protects the sacredness between the husband and the wife and the issues and the things that are going on. Now, there are times when you need to seek outside counsel and do that. Speak to a mentor, speak to a counselor, speak to a pastor, speak to someone that you trust. Do not chat about it in the bake the break room at lunch. You know, that's, that's not the place to share about those issues. But instead, we can share about those issues with someone up. We want a, Kind of a rule that we um, like to talk about is you always speak up. So if I'm having an issue or something, I want to go to someone who has wisdom and experience in what I'm dealing with, and they have been through it. So I'm not going to talk to someone who's unmarried, they, they're not married. Yet. They have not experienced what, I'm experience, what I've experienced. I'm not going to go and talk to a 14-year-old about marriage when they're not there yet. But you know who I will talk to? Someone who's been through it. Someone who's been married a little bit longer than I have. Someone that I trust. So go ahead and talk up. However that may be. Whatever that looks like for you. Um, a love that protects chooses to put their spouse in the best light possible and keeps the conflict at times. Um, and the pain points of the marriage out of the public light. Um, you can absolutely share with a trusted friend or a mentor what you need prayer for, but maybe let's not post all of it on social media, you know, like just a thought. Um, or talk about it, like I said, in the break room at lunch. Um, so speaking of lunch, um, is anybody ready for lunch? Because so... One of the things that Andrew and I really like to do is find new restaurants. That's something we enjoy doing together. We love getting to hang out and try something different. We like uh, Indian food, Italian. We just found a really good Italian restaurant. It was delicious. Um, but number four, do things your husband likes to do. You're better together. Settle that in your heart now. If you're married and you're in this room, you are better together. Proverbs 18.22 says, He who finds a wife finds a good thing. Ladies, you are your husband's good thing. God made you for one another. No matter how you came together, God's will is that you remain together. Now, there are some justifiable reasons for... Um, biblically for getting a divorce, but I want to wholeheartedly remind you that even in the midst of some of these reasons and some of these things, in the midst of all of them, we serve a God of reconciliation every time. And it's not him that's incapable. Sometimes it's our own lack of willingness to surrender wholly to him that puts us in those situations. Now, God can handle adultery. He can heal you and restore your love for one another. With enough prayer counseling, there is hope because life is better together. So do things together with your husband that he loves to do. Number five, let him download before you unload. Men run out of words. We know that. That's just, and even if you're a very talkative man, you will still probably run out of words prior to your wife because she has about five more things that she would like to say before you move on to the next thing. You're going to run out of words. That's okay. Sometimes men just need a little bit of time to kind of get like, okay, now coming from work to home or vice versa, flipping, but the first few minutes of that conversation can set the tone for your husband. So things can either be stress producing or reducing and also setting the expectation for the conversation, like saying, hey, I don't need you to fix it. I just want you to listen. And that's okay to say. Or sometimes you could say, 
I need you to help me fix this. But there are times when I call my husband, I'm like, Andrew, Andrew, I have, and he's like, what? What did you? Oh, and I'm like, yeah, what do I do now? And so then he just helps me talk through it or fix it or get myself out of whatever I managed to get myself into. Um, and so many times there are things that I share with him that I can pray about first. So once I've prayed about things and I've talked about them with the Lord, then I can give them um, and chat with my husband about it. Instead of him being my first go-to, he should be the second. So speaking of my incredible husband, those are the five for the women. Men, get ready. And I, I know I told you she was better than me at this. So gentlemen, I want to give you five quick thoughts uh, The first of which is uh, your wife is your top priority. Your wife is your top priority. And I think that's an interesting way to address it and think about it because in our culture, we're based on results, okay? And how we approach our our careers and our success. And we kind of build our thinking around, uh, you know, how much money I can make, how much is in the bank account, what people think about me at work, on the job, in in those environments. We have all of those things that, that, that kind of build our identity. And if we're not careful, we lose sight of the priority that God has brought into our lives, right? Listen, the right priorities put the right things into perspective. And too often, we find our worth in too many different things, when in reality, the priority is the person that God has brought into our life and the family that subsequently follows. And so sometimes, gentlemen, we have to shift how we view our success uh, and understand that uh, when I prioritize my spouse and my, my kids and my family, that I'm acting as a, a follower and a worshiper of Jesus. Do you know that Paul devotes twice as many words to telling husbands to love their wives as Christ loves the church than he does telling wives to submit to their husbands. The priority is on us as men to make sure that we prioritize the person that God has brought into our life and he has given us to. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 says this. It says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. One of the things we have to learn to do is, and on its simplest, is learn to talk to our spouse. There are some days where I get home, and, and, and my wife is right, I am out of words. Women use twice as many words in a day than men do on average. Uh, men use about 7,000 words on average in a day. Women use about thirteen to 14,000 words in a day. Um, depending. Um, but the point is, is that it's, it's twice as many. And sometimes I'm worded out by the time I get home. And what I really want to do is I want to shut my brain off, turn on some type of TV show or, or something where I don't have to think and just kind of zone out into, you know, comedy land or whatever it is that I'm watching. But listen, we have to bring more to the table than just thuds and grunts in the conversation. Sometimes we have to turn the TV off, uh, put the phone down, actually look somebody in the eye, turn the brain back on and engage uh, in, in a conversation that we may not want to do, but is vital to the success and longevity in our marriage. Number seven is listen without the need to solve the problem. How many of you uh, gentlemen would say you are good problem solvers? 
right? Like if you tell me something, my first thing is figuring out how can I quickly fix this because I don't want to hear it anymore. I just want to jump ahead, I'm just being honest, to the solution, right? And sometimes this is how the conversations go. If your spouse comes home and says, honey, I had a hard day at work, right? And rather than us, gentlemen, getting into the details of, well, why did you have a hard day? Mm-hmm. What happened at the break? What, what? You got that aside? Like, those would be the proper follow-up questions, but that's not typically, gentlemen, how we operate. We jump to the solution. So if your spouse comes home and says, oh, I had a hard day at work, typically our response is, well, why don't you just quit? See how we jump from all, we, we eliminated all of the middle that, that is the conversation and we said, why don't you just quit? And now you don't have to then tell me that you had a bad day at work. We, I just solved your problem. You're welcome. Your wife is not always looking for you to solve the problem. She is looking to you as at times maybe a shoulder to cry on a listening ear to hear her perspective, a heart that is turned towards her, and a sense that you have her back. And maybe she will say, go ahead and solve this for me. That doesn't often happen. We need to learn to meet our spouse where they are. And in doing so, avoid being critical in the process. Proverbs 13.3 says, Whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. Wow, whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. Proverbs 15, 1 says, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. I want you to do something for me. I want you to grab these things right here. And I want you to just, how many are there? Two, right? I want you to touch right here for me. How many are here? So the thought process is that God gave us two ears and one mouth. And the thing I gather most from that is he probably would rather us listen more and talk less, right? And sometimes we reverse that and be like, I have no idea what you're saying. I've jumped to the, why don't you just quit your job? Without even thinking about how that's going to impact my family. (laughs) Number eight is be romantic. Hey, all the ladies say. Mm-hmm. Gentlemen, we are no longer attractive in our old age when we just sit and, uh, you know, recline and, and eat, have the chip crumbs on our shirts. Oh, yeah. Or the Cheeto fingers. Hey, you know the Cheeto fingers, right? And if you lick them, that's even gross, okay? That's what my son does, and then he touches me. It's gross. It's wonderful. <laughs> but I want to challenge us gentlemen. Whatever it took, whatever you did to win her over, and I guarantee you, you had to do some things that you were like, oh my, I could, it's embarrassing. I wrote you songs. I wrote you poems. You know, back in the day, anybody ever make their significant other a mixed tape, right? Like you, you got together all of the songs that, you, that just made you think of them, and then you had to like record them, and then you put like, our songs, 1984 on it, Right? Like you did all of those things and that's what helped, you know, you paid attention in conversations and you were actually paying attention. You weren't just zoned out. But while, you know what I'm saying? Like you were thoughtful, you left notes, right? And I want to tell you to keep doing that. Be thoughtful, leave notes, send texts, leave some energy to talk. Don't use up all your words at work. Buy her things, take her out. 
do the things that won her heart in the first place. Listen, routine is both good and bad. On one hand, it can make your day-to-day life easier on both people. But on the other hand, it has the potential to rob a marriage of spontaneity, of mystery and excitement. Listen, just because for the last 25 years you have always taken her to the same place for her birthday doesn't mean that she likes it or that she doesn't long for something different. Be attentive and notice when things need to change, right? Listen, just because it's like never-ending crab at Red Lobster and it happens to fall on her birthday doesn't mean she wants to go there every single year. At times, we need to initiate romance, and it's more than just relations. It's more than just being intimate. Listen, women are crockpots, all right? Women have waffle brains, and they are crockpots. Men are microwaves and have, I'm sorry, women are spaghetti brains and are crockpots. Men are waffle brains and microwaves. We'll talk about that in a second. They need time to get ready for intimacy. Your gestures, texts, notes, calls, thoughtful conversations are like the seasoning that you use to make a meal that goes from good to great, right? And I will tell you, it pays off. Some of you aren't sure if you can laugh at that. You're allowed to. Make sure she knows that she's important to you above your work, above your title, above your friends, above your family. Your wife was given to you by God, so treat her like she has a high value. Number nine is be accountable. Show up, keep your word. Listen, trust in a marriage is not simply earned with words and promises, but it's earned with actions and follow-through. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21, and I'm going to go quickly. Elena, if you want to come, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. The thought is continued in 1 John chapter 3, verse 18. As he's talking, he says, Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth right? I've learned that if I say it, the expectation is that I do it, right? If I say I'm going to... If you enjoyed today's message, there are a couple things I would love for you to do. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. You can also help us reach others by investing today by going to give.rockofgrace.org. And thanks again for joining us on the Rock of Grace Warren podcast.